have to tell you that the path to building a business is treacherous. It's tough to come out of your shell and open up yourself to rejection, to criticism, to disconnection. I'm Jill Wright, Life, Money, and Connection Coach, and welcome to Connect the Dots, a podcast that helps you connect to profit with a purpose. I am known in many places as a money mindset coach and an expert in detecting scarcity thinking. Scarcity thinking in a nutshell is focusing on what you don't have, what you won't get, or what you'll lose. It's focusing on what you're not doing, what's not working, or what you can't do. But here's what I know for sure. You don't lack knowledge, expertise, or experience. You don't lack time, money, or energy. You don't lack focus, discipline, purpose or potential. You don't lack direction, creativity. You lack nothing but connection to any of these. On Connect the Dots podcast, we'll explore all aspects of your life and business. Because what I learned is that every problem I coach on comes down to connection. I am so excited to share this journey with you. Let's take the first step toward connecting you with yourself, your message, your people, and your purpose so that you can connect the dots on your path to fulfilling your mission in the world. So let's connect the dots. Hey there, and welcome back to Connect the Dots. I'm Jill Wright, your connection coach. And I this I think this is going to be a fun episode. <laughs> Even though I'm talking about something that uh, feels out of control for us sometimes. So we all know the Bob Marley song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And that is generally what people try to do. In fact, they try so hard that they become unhappy about not being happy. <laughs> and so just multiplies are the unhappiness, right? So this episode is called Don't Worry When You're Not Happy because there will be times, at first I, I started to call it Don't Worry If You're Not Happy, but there will be times when you're not happy. So it's not if, it's when. You can count on it. But do we have to worry about it? We don't have to, but how many of actually, how many of us actually do worry about it? You know, we try to completely prevent being unhappy, being sad, upset, anxious, depressed, angry, ashamed. You name it, the list goes on. I guarantee you there is at least one emotion that each one of you avoids. So what's your emotion? So this episode is about worry. But if that's not a problem for you, you can apply what I share today to any emotion that is a problem for you. Now, I don't think that I'm alone in this. It's, in fact, I know I'm not alone in this. The tendency to worry or become, you know, there's worry and then there's hypervigilance, right? Um, to become hypervigilant about things that trigger me because we don't like to be triggered. We don't like to be activated because when we feel activated, when we feel triggered, we feel out of control. And this actually happened to me yesterday. And I won't go into all the details, but my husband um, just really pissed me off. 
<laughs> and it wasn't that he did something to piss me off. It was just, it was more about what he didn't do that pissed me off. Um, we came home from our trip. I'm not going to go into the details, but I'll just give you the highlights. Uh, we came home from our trip um, a week and a half or so ago. And during, you know, towards the end of the trip, the um, brakes were making this sound when we tried to stop. And so I said, you know, that's not right. Something is wrong with the brakes. We need to get it checked out. He was like, kind of nonchalant about it. And I was like, we need to get it checked out. So for a couple of days after we got home, I'm like, did you call the shop? Did you make an appointment? Blah, 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 blah. Well, Turns out when he went to take it to the shop, it did need new brakes. And so we had to leave it there. I was planning on going somewhere um, today. And this not, you know, when I'm recording this, this will come out in a couple weeks, actually. Um, And so I couldn't go on my trip because the car's in the shop getting brakes. So (laughs) I was pissed. And, uh, but anyway, so... I know um, anger is not typically the the um, thing I avoid, but I do try to avoid being triggered because yesterday when I was angry, I did feel a little out of control. I was like, okay, I don't want to be angry about this. What do I need to do? How do I need to, how do I stop being angry? And I figured it out, but in the moment I was like, I am just so angry. I can't, I feel like I can't stop being angry. So there are things that feel out of control and we like to avoid those things that create those triggers. And, um, the reason I said it, I know I'm not alone because I have clients that have struggled with this hypervigilance or with worrying about things that they really don't want to worry about. So if that's you, then this <laughs> is for you. And I know there are a lot of people that worry. I really um, wouldn't consider myself a big worrier. Um my mom, rest her soul, was a major worry wart. She worried about everything. Uh, and if I would go out of town for work when I was working for, in, you know, my corporate job, she would worry the whole time that the plane was going to crash or that I would walk down the wrong street and get mugged or that something horrible would happen to me. And it never did. <laughs> I was like, mom, why are you so worried? Uh, just as good a chance getting injured or something horrible happening to me on the way to the grocery store, then, you know, 3000 miles away, whatever. Um, but anyways, I can't imagine how many different scenarios must have been going through her mind, holding her captive until I called her after arriving home safe and unharmed. Our brains are wired to be vigilant, and that's a good thing, but it can also limit us if we're not aware and if we're not able to discern when it becomes, when it switches to just simple vigilance to hypervigilance. And I don't think that it's helpful to make worrying a problem, so this episode is not about how to stop worrying because worrying is a problem. Um, I think when we make worrying a problem, it just creates one more thing to worry about. (laughs) And 
I don't think that's necessary in order to stop or lessen worry. So I think this goes, like I said, if worry is not your problem, whatever emotion, whatever you really desperately want to avoid feeling, then this could be for that emotion. Because when we avoid it, it's focusing on it and what we focus on grows. So trying to avoid an emotion actually brings up that emotion more often, in my opinion, or based on my experience, like maybe I should say. And based on my experience coaching my clients. Um, So I don't like to be afraid of any emotion. My goal in life, one of my goals in life is to become emotionally invincible. And I want to be willing to even look forward to feeling any emotion. Now, Byron Katie's um, Judge Your Neighbor Worksheet, if you're familiar with her work, the question number six on that is it asks about in that particular situation that you're doing the worksheet on, what would you never want to feel again from that situation? And whatever that emotion is, that's the turnaround for that particular question is I am willing to feel worry. I am willing to feel shame. I'm willing to feel anger. And then the, the up level of that turnaround is I look forward to feeling that emotion. And the whole point is that when you notice feeling that emotion, then you can look to and build awareness around what you're feeling, why you're feeling that way. And then you know where your work is. So emotions are very uh, beneficial and emotions are there for a reason. When I'm not willing to feel any emotion, I am limited. I am limited by what I can experience when I am willing to feel that emotion. I'm, I'm limited to what I am allowing myself to experience. And when I limit my experience, I limit my results. Um, it limits, you know, if you're avoiding a particular emotion, it limits the quality of the data coming into your awareness. And it also limits the quantity of the data coming into your awareness. And so that data is not available for you to use in making decisions. And if you limit the quality and the quantity of data that you're, that you have in front of you to base your decisions on decisions about how you think, what you do, how you do it, what you want, who you are. If you limit that data, then how can you, how do you have enough information to make the best decisions for the life and the business that you want? Now, I don't think we're designed to be 100% happy 100% of the time. But we can improve our experiences most of the time by checking in with ourselves and learning how to do more of what we want and less of what our emotions want. So not being at the effect of, not being um, under the control of our emotions. 
Now, most of us don't want to worry. We know intellectually that worry degrades our experience. We know that worry doesn't serve us. And some people even call it indulging in worry, but I think that just adds to more guilt and shame, you know, (laughs) you know, because when we think about indulging, we think indulging is is bad and, and indulging is unintentional and all those things. So there, so I don't like to, to, uh, phrase it that way. Like, I don't like to say, Oh, you're in just indulging in worry. You're just indulging in overwhelm. I just don't think that that helps either. At least not my clients and at least not me. <laughs> um, We intellectually know that worry, when it's left unchecked and allowed to spiral out of control, doesn't serve us. Most of the time, (laughs) by the way, this is kind of ironic, the more we try to control things we worried about, the more we tend to worry. So um, because what we're trying to control, we don't usually actually have control of. Because otherwise, we wouldn't be worried about it, we would just change what we have control of, right? So when we worry, it's usually about something that we don't even have control of. So when we focus on what we don't control, then we tend to worry more and we tend to lose even more of our control because we're not focused on the stuff that we do control. So intellectually, we know worry doesn't change anything, doesn't benefit our experience, doesn't serve us. But how do you stop worrying? I uh, recently gave a client some of these ideas to try. And so I thought, Hey, why not record an episode on that so that you can have these ideas to try. If you want to worry less, if you want to be less under the control of worry. So one of them is remind your brain, whenever you find yourself getting lost in worry, that you are not responsible for the rest of the world. So many of us, because we're helpers, we're because we want to, we want other people to have a good experience of life. And we want other people to have a good experience and a good opinion of us. And so a lot of times we carry the world on our shoulders. Now we all know that we don't control what other think other people think and feel, but for some reasons, for some reason, maybe it is multiple reasons, it probably is, our brains forget that we're not in control of how other people feel and what, what they think of us. Um, so it's just a good reminder and it could be just like, that's the first thing that you do when you notice yourself worrying, you say, Oh, what am I worried about? Oh, I'm worried that Susan will feel like I am running all over her and she will hate me for it. Well, the first thing you can do is just remind yourself, I am not in control of what Susan thinks or feels. The only thing I am in control of is my experience. And so there are other some uh, other perspectives, thought patterns that you can try out as well. One is decide it's not worth your time or effort or energy. What other things have you decided not to worry about and that you now don't worry about? And how do you not worry about them? Now, one thing that I do is when I'm worried about something, I, I have uh, 
programmed myself to ask myself this question every time I find myself worried or concerned or anxious about something. What are my options? Again, that speaks to what am I in control of and what would I do if if I could control this, right? So what are my options? So if like a lot of, this is what I do a lot of times. I worry about stuff that's already happened. And so this is why this one question is particularly helpful for me because I worry about something that has already happened and say, um, maybe say, okay, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I really didn't get to work like I wanted to. I really wasn't focused. And now I, there's no way I'm going to get everything done that I wanted to get done this week, right? I can't change Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And so when I say, what are my options? Changing the past is not one of those options. And so I can immediately roll that out. And then I can come up with what I, what can I do now? Um, based on what my circumstances actually are, not what I wanted my circumstances to be, what I wished my circumstances were, what I wished I had done differently, but what can I do now based on what my circumstance is now? So that's, that's helps me sort of separate out those things I can control from those things I can't. Now, the other thing I do is I ask for more specifics. Now, my high drama survival brain doesn't deal in specifics. And I notice that when I get specific, it tends to generally disperse the drama. So, and I see this all the time in my clients. So if a client is worried about money, I'll just ask for some more specifics. I'll ask how much. Um, and so as soon as they don't have the answer, then I know that the worry isn't based on a real circumstance. It is based on some story that their brain has conjured up. Now, it might be true that they are running out of money. That might actually be a circumstance, but they can't do anything about that until they know the specifics. Like, how much do you need? How much money do you need? How much do you have? How much can you make? And so being specific. Now, when are you going to make that? How are you know, how are you going to ensure that? What are all the ways that you can address this problem, right? So it's getting down to the real problem. And so ask for specifics. Um, if you try this, I guarantee you it works 90% of the time to get into the specifics because what that does, at least for me, I've noticed switches from my survival brain to my logical brain, my prefrontal cortex, my planning brain, um, my intelligent brain, as I like to call it. Um, it switches from the survival brain to the intelligent brain. And that's where I can figure things out. So that's why specifics are so important. Now, I also try sometimes just, and different things work based on whatever it is I happen to be worried or anxious about. So 
In some instances, I might try to access what things might be like if I wasn't worried and step into and experience that state. Now, this works for things, especially like when I'm worried about the future, when I'm worried about something that hasn't happened yet. This is particularly good because I can visualize like me being in that state where I'm not worried, where I feel confident, where I feel powerful, where I feel empowered, where I feel in control. And, and then I can back into, okay, well, what made me feel in control? What made me feel confident? And then it might be actions. It might be, um, you know, thought patterns. It can be any, anything, you know, because some actions I take, like there are certain things that I do that I just feel come naturally to me. And when I do those things, I'm naturally more confident. I'm naturally more optimistic. So it could be something like that, or it could be a way of thinking. Like I could think as if the future is, um, already in my favor. Um, so if I want to sign five clients this month, then thinking in terms of how I feel when I've already signed five clients helps me access that state and then helps me practice that state that I'm in. So that's what I'm talking about. Try to access what things are like if you weren't worried and instead were confident or powerful or whatever, um, excited, whatever, uh, positive emotion that would be. Now, the other thing you can do is to program, uh, your brain to immediately go to a different thought pattern. So the way that I've done this in the past is every time I notice that particular thing coming up. So if I'm triggered by, um, uh, if I'm triggered by some particular thing, like one of my triggers has been, you know, people, somebody asks me about my business. So every time I come up, uh, every time somebody asks that, maybe I, the, where my brain goes immediately is to a particular mantra that I have learned over time to believe that reduces my anxiety in that moment. And so it could be, I'm exactly where I want to be and I have everything I need. And therefore, my business is going well. So that's just an example. Now, another um, technique to try is don't shoot for complete elimination of the emotion of worry, but shoot for reduction. Now, if you're an LCS coach, you might be familiar with Carl uh, Lowenthal's concept of just finding a 10% less shitty thought. So that's sort of a long, so that's very similar to what I'm talking about. So instead of trying to not ever be worried, just try to be less worried. You know, if confusion is your problem, instead of trying to never be confused again, try to be less confused. And so when you find yourself worried, maybe find something that you're less worried about or, or think of a way that you can be less worried. Well, I would be less worried if I knew that I could pay my bills this month. And so 
that might um, get you to a, a less worried state. Instead of trying to do a complete 180 degree turn, just turn a few degrees, maybe five, 10 degrees, 15, 20 degrees, you know, whatever you can do. So a lot of times what we try to do is whatever we're feeling, we try to go to the exact opposite. And that doesn't always work all that well. And I don't think that works all that well for the emotion of worry. Now, some other thought patterns, it might work really well, but there are some that doesn't work very well to try to do a complete opposite. And so I, I kind of talked about this, decide what it could look like not to worry. So don't worry about how not worrying is going to happen. This is just a little bit different take on the one um, where you visualize you not being worried. Um, but, and, and so that one was more about, well, if I, if I did this, 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 and this, then maybe I wouldn't be worried. But this is, this is kind of skipping the how and just imagining that you aren't worried without having to understand how that's going to happen. Just visualize it happening and trust that it will happen. But, um, so you might think of it in terms of the model where you put in the result line, I don't worry. Maybe that's the result that you're looking for, or maybe it's, I worry a a less, or I don't notice that I'm worried. And therefore, I don't act worried, or I don't act like I normally do when I'm worried. And then you can just imagine that and let the how take care of itself. So, um, you know, and then ultimately, you can decide that whatever the outcomes that you're worried about, that they are here to develop something in you. Maybe it's resilience, maybe it's trust, maybe it's surrender, maybe it's emotional invincibility, maybe it's developing that skill. Um, and so I would love to know if you try any of these and what happens as a result. I would love to know what emotion you are going to use this on. But until next week, I wish you a week with lots less worry and less hypervigilance. Because when you worry less, you'll have more time, space, and energy to connect the dots to more possibility. So until next week, I'll see you soon. What is one simple thing that you're going to take away and do as a result of listening to this episode? I would love to hear all about that. So just shoot me a DM or an email, jill at jillvartcoaching.com. And I will see you on the next episode of Connect the Dots.